You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, October 1st. Holy God, how in the world do we get to October already? You know what I'm saying? Uh, as always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Fires on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. Go check out that site. It's really, really good. Uh, but maybe if by any chance you've been watching Padres Baseball and all you want to do is just ignore sports and you maybe you're a pop culture person, I've also written at places like Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Mental Floss, Nerdist, Film Cred, and more. Shout out Film Cred for the shirt that I'm wearing today, by the way. And if you if you see it, if you see it, I just referenced the shirt that I'm wearing, you know, and here's the thing, guys. You can subscribe to Locked On Padres on YouTube, all, all my audio listeners, if you want to see this lovely shirt that I have. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's it's really good. You guys are you guys are going to be impressed. I'm telling you. So go subscribe there. Or if you just want to follow me on Twitter and stuff like that, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter. Tweet at me, interact with me. I love it. I love talking to you guys. It's really a lot of fun. One of one of my favorite things, honestly, about Padres baseball as of late because it's been a disaster. It's been an absolute disaster. Uh, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Uh, join me tomorrow, four or five p.m. Eastern time for the beginning of the Giants game. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have some fun. Hey, maybe even talk some fantasy football. I don't know. Uh, and maybe even talk more about this this athletic piece that we're gonna be talking about on today's episode. Uh, Spotify Green Room changing the way we talk sports. Like I said, today's episode we have a lot to talk about, man. We've got we've got a lot, man. We've got to talk about this this Dodgers game really quickly, just breaking that down, talking about Tatis's absolute mammoth home run, and then going to be breaking down and talking about my thoughts on the recent piece that just came out in the Athletic uh, inside the Padres kind of organization and AJ Preller and all those things, and talking about that some tidbits, what I took away from the piece. It's really really good. I'm gonna link in the description of the podcast and on the YouTube, whatever, you know, whether you're a listener or a viewer. Uh, so you guys can check that out for yourself, but going to be giving my thoughts on that. And then looking ahead to San Francisco and talking a little bit about what you guys can expect over the coming, coming weeks, because believe it or not, some exciting things, at least in terms of like, you know, producing this show that you guys might have to look forward to, despite the fact that the Padres aren't going to be in the playoffs. So let's get right into it, guys. The Padres unable to salvage the end of the season. If there's one thing I was hoping for, that's why I want, I want, you know, the, I, I've talked about how like the last week, no, that's not last week, the last like, you know, three or so weeks that I definitely am doing something else sometimes while I'm watching Padres games because it's just so, I'm so out of it. Not only do I just have a ton of other work to do, I, you know, I'm just like, this team isn't playing well. They seem to just be totally out of it. It's, it's, it's an absolute mess, right? So um, that deserves to be um, uh, mentioned as well. And I think that, you know, for this Dodgers series, I for once was just all in. You know what I mean? I'm watching all the games and stuff like that. I actually wasn't here for the um, last night's game. I wasn't present. I was actually at a Mets game uh, visiting with some people and some friends, and that was a lot of fun. Shout out Francisco Lindor hitting a grand slam, my Puerto Rican pal. Um, but speaking of those, you know, it's funny because I go to see a Mets game, and the, the, the Padres game ends exactly how I thought it would. I had it on my phone and what have you, but, you know, still it doesn't go well. The Padres lose 3-8, to eight, unable to get even a game against the Dodgers to maybe help the the Giants win the division. I think we're all in agreement on that. I'd more than be happy if the Giants won the division and the Padres kind of ruined the Dodgers season, send them into that little wild card game. We'll have to see how it all ends up. But uh, they lose 3-8. to eight. 
starting pitcher for the Padres is Vince Velasquez. So it's not like we should have expected better necessarily. Four and two thirds innings, giving up four earned runs on six hits. But he did strike out seven. So it actually wasn't the worst performance by Vince Velasquez, especially for the Padres. Um, and definitely wasn't the worst performance by a Padres starting pitcher as of late. You know what I'm saying? So he actually was not all that bad in considering he was able to get some some strikeouts against this really good Dodgers team. But nonetheless, still six hits, four runs, not great. Um and then we also had a blow up from our good buddy, Sean Anderson, who I don't even remember the last time he pitched. It was September 13th, actually, at San Francisco. He gives up three earned runs on four hits over just one inning pitched. Uh, a lot of home runs in this game. A lot of big hits in this game. Uh, mostly, unfortunately, from the Dodgers. Mookie Betts homering in the bottom of the first. Corey Seager homers. Justin Turner homers. A.J. Pollock homers. Will Smith gets a hit, but most important. And then lastly, Corey Seager homers in the game. Uh, later on. So two home runs for Corey Seager on the night. The only positive of tonight, only positive was Fernando Tatis Jr., which oftentimes is the only positive for the Padres, by the way, guys, like, like best, it's just as simple as that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, he hits a absolute moonshot. Uh, his 42nd, is that his 42nd home run of the game? Let me just check this real of the season. I'm sorry. Let me just check that real quick. I think that was 42, right? Yeah. 42nd home run of the season. It should still be brought up. Ladies and gentlemen, that at 22 years old, I know the Padres are a disaster, but at 22 years old, uh, he's just, it doesn't make sense what he's doing. He really just looks like he's Griffey. I mean, for, I know that like, like I said, I know that, you know, this, this team has been a disaster, but still let it not be lost. How incredible of a season this is 42 home runs and 25 steals, you know, slugging six fourteen. you know, being one of the best highest F four players in the league next to Bryce Harper and Juan Soto, especially in the national league. Uh, just, just absolutely incredible. And only just 22 years old. So the game is certainly in a good place, by the way, I just mentioned, you know, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, and then Ronald Acuna jr. I think would have been around here as well. Uh, just a great spot for the game of baseball in terms of young talent. But, uh, unfortunately, Unfortunately, a lot of that young talent isn't necessarily on the Padres right now. Uh, really, really tough game. Tatis does play center field in this game, not putting him at shortstop because I guess why not? Who cares anymore? Let's not even make our shortstop happy and just put him at shortstop where we think he belongs and that is his position, his dream position. That is what he builds his game around. I know we're trying to keep him healthy, but what the heck? Um, so that's unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Um, ah, man. I mean, honest, to be honest with you, there really isn't much else to say uh, about this game, you know, and I'm just one thing that I do want to point out is that Tony Gonsolin pitches for the Dodgers and the fact that we're not able to hit him. He's not a bad pitcher, but out of all the pitchers that the Dodgers have, he's one of the ones that is just a little bit more vulnerable, I'd say, but four and two thirds innings, three runs. It's not the worst in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not terrible, but bottom line is just a, a one home run, solo home run from Hassan Kim, and then one from Tatis just isn't going to cut it, man. And that's basically been describing the team for the past month or so. I'm not saying anything new because there really isn't anything new to say. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing all these people complaining on Twitter and talking about this. It's like, what happened tonight? What happened? To-? It's the same thing. And I don't really have any new words to share with you guys. You know what I mean? But thankfully... This athletic piece. So I am kind of happy. My apologies for the episode coming out a little bit later. Granted, it is a Friday, so you guys can like watch this and listen to it for over the weekend. So I don't feel, you know, as bad I was as I would have felt if it was an episode in the middle of the week. But still, uh, sorry, apologies about that. But the good news is that doing so, I just got an alert saying Julio Jones is out for Sunday. Sorry, I just freaked out. Look at my phone. Um, he's not on my fantasy team though, so whew, that that helps me. But hopefully, he's okay. I hope the Titans get it together. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Don't want to get too off track. It's like, it's amazing how many things I get like pulled into because I'm so excited to almost talk about anything but the Padres because the Padres is so miserable to talk about. But like I said, thankfully, uh, the benefit of not 
posting the episode early is that we did get an athletic piece that dropped from Ken Rosenthal, D- Dennis Lynn. It's, it was a whole, whole big production clearly by the athletic talking about this. And it makes sense. It has quotes. And also, you know, Saris was part of this as well has quotes from some anonymous sources. I'm going to be giving my thoughts on that and the future direction of the Padres in just a second. But before we talk about that, guys, I need to talk to you about the best protein bars in all the land, not just San Diego, not just New Jersey where I'm from, not just this country, in the world, in the world, ladies and gentlemen, those are the Built Bars, all right? What I love about them is they're super, super yummy to eat, of course. You got to have something that tastes yummy and whatnot. But on top of that, Great variety of flavors, man. They've got coconut, cherry barcia, double chocolate, mint brownie, strawberry cookies and cream, grasshopper cookie. They've got Rocky Road. They've got a cheesecake thing. They've got lemon cheesecake. They have all these limited time flavors as well that pop up every now and then, which is really good. So you never know what they're going to come out with over at Built Bar, which is what I like about them the best. Great variety and what have you. But of course, they're also healthy for you. They are protein bars after all. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only four to five grams grams of sugar and only four to five grams net carbs amazing flavors all tasty all healthy guys so what are you waiting for go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com we okay all right all right ladies and gentlemen are you ready let's talk about this athletic piece all right so The Athletic dropped a piece today titled Inside the Padres Collapse Manager GM Under Scrutiny After Club Crumbles Down the Stretch. And there's a lot of juicy tidbits in this story. Um, A lot of it kind of paints a picture of being like, remember where this team was. This is a team that Peter Seidler, owner of the Padres, like just just coming out that ownership group being like, we're spending eighth largest city in the world. We're like, we have people. We love the city of San Diego. We understand it. We're going out there. And it paints a picture of like when they hired Jace Tingler and what have you. And I've shared my thoughts on Tingler. I think he's been a little bit eh, as an, as a manager, especially when you see how much the, the team looks so dejected towards the end of this season, especially in the second half. I mean, the last month, I mean, we thought July was bad. I mean, August, I would argue was even worse. You know what I'm saying? August, I actually think was worse because you still had a feeling that if the Padres could just play as an average team in August, that they might still make the postseason. Um, and then September, Obviously, the last final glimmers of hope were extinguished after that Cardinal series, pretty much. Um, so really bad, but I enjoyed the piece for the record, and I thought there were some juicy bits in there. First of all, just a tweet from Sarah Langs, which who's, by the way, great slangs on sports on Twitter. She's a great, like, like analytics, like, kind of statin junkie nerd, but in a good way, not in a freakazoid way. You know what I mean? People who, like, hate. Anything that has to do with not numbers, those type of the freakalytics crowd, as I like to call them. Uh, she said the Padres had a share of the best record in MLB 54 games into the season and now have missed the playoffs. That's the second most games into a season. A team that missed the playoffs had best record in MLB since there have been multiple wildcard spots per league, just to kind of illustrate how much of a collapse this has been. And one of the other things that the piece talked about a lot was Jace Tingler and, of course, AJ Preller at the, you know, he's mentioned the title of the podcast um, and he's mentioned the title of the article is what I meant to say. Um, what I thought was interesting about this article, and I'm actually going to call back to another article from The Athletic, which was about the Rockies kind of catastrophe. It came out a little bit before the season started, like maybe a week or two before baseball started. And it was talking about Jeff Bridrich, who was really bad uh, for the Rockies, who famously brought in like, spent like what was it like 80 million dollars and he got negative two f4 out of all those players combined with guys like um 
what's his name? Wade Davis, uh, guys like Ian Desmond just didn't work out for them. We're terrible putting Ian Desmond at first base for some reason, despite the fact that he was a shortstop once and he was kind of there as a defensive player, not great. And then he moved to the outfield where he was okay, actually as an outfielder for Texas. And then they sign him after that one Rangers year. And they're like, all right, we want you to play first base. It's like, what the heck are you guys doing with this dude? So, and predictably he was a disaster. So it reminded me of that piece a little bit. What I will say is one key distinction about this piece is one, the Rockies are literally completely dead. I mean, the Padres are still in bad shape and the piece does illustrate that a lot. They're in really bad shape with all the money that they owe. There's not as much maneuverability. They traded like 31 players combined for you, Darvish, Blake Snell, and uh, Joe Musgrove. They lost a lot of their depth and whatnot, which is what the piece notes. Um, but one difference is that, one, the Padres are actually, there's still hope, I guess you could say. And it's not a total disaster. You know, moves like Musgrove haven't actually killed the team. It's actually been pretty solid. But what it does remind me of, or not not what does it remind me of? I'm losing my thought today. Sorry, guys. I'm a little tired. Um, the Rockies, you know, they're, they're completely hopeless. And Jeff Bradrich is also not there anymore. While Preller is still there until 2026. Like, he just signed an extension. So, like, A.J. Preller is going to be the GM for the Padres for a long time, for better or worse. Um, and another thing about the piece that I thought was interesting is unlike the Rockies one, almost universal condemnation, condemnation. Is that how you say that word? Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's how we say it, right? Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be almost universal, like slander and whatnot towards Jeff Bridrich in this piece. It was a little up and down. The piece talks a lot about how AJ Prowler is a little bit of a micromanager that he gets his hands on for everything. And that is a little bit of a turnoff to some degrees, right? Like, if, if you're just micromanaging everything, that's not exactly, you know, the right thing to to do and whatnot. It also talks about how A.J. Prowler likes input from everyone. He asks before meetings. He's like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think? Blah, 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 blah. And what, what I thought was so interesting about the piece is it isn't total slander towards A.J. Prowler. It's not like I actually don't think this was that much of a bombshell piece. It really didn't feel like that. It just felt like predictably talking about what we already know. And there's probably some more things below the surface that we don't know about. You know, I'm not Dennis Lynn. I'm not Kevin Rosenthal. I don't, I'm not on the ground level. I'm not, heck, I'm not even in San Diego for crying out loud. So there's a lot to, to talk about here because there's also some people that did defend Prowler in the piece. Anonymous sources who were saying, no, actually, he has a really great eye for talent. And I don't think that he's too hands on. He's a really great guy to talk to. Some people said uh, he's not got the best people skills in the world. You know, what I mean, he's got that photographic memory. He's a big, big, big evaluator of talent. He works super, super hard and all that. But then some people were like, yeah, he's a great hard worker. Like it, it felt like there was it's a little bit of a mixed bag, which isn't necessarily good. It isn't necessarily bad. You know what I mean? It's just it's somewhere in the middle. There's some nuance to this, right? That's what I took away from the piece. And I thought was so interesting. And another note that was made in the piece was, you know, talking about Jay Stingler, who will likely be fired and how they're raising more people. This was the most troubling thing I will say in the piece. Well, because while some people did push back against the notion that Preller is dictating practice drills and stuff like that, and wants Machado and Tatis to do separate uh, drills than everybody else and stuff like that. That's what the piece kind of uh, some lines while other people were like, no, he hasn't done that. He, he's not that bad at that stuff. You know what I mean? He is leaving it to players and what have you. One thing that I thought was most troubling about the piece was it went into the idea of Jace Tingler who did not have, this is the thing about when Jace Tingler was hired. And I have to give myself flack because back when he was hired heading into 2020, my thing was, look, I don't know enough about how managers and what what takes a good one to win. 
you know, in baseball and what's the difference between good and bad necessarily. My take was, look, maybe he'll be good. Maybe he'll be bad. Maybe he's one of those unknowns that can step up and what have you. Uh, I just I just don't know. And I often I've also talked about while I do think Jace Tingler is going to be fired. I don't know if he necessarily deserves it. He hasn't been good. So it's not like it is an undeserved firing, but it's kind of. You know, I don't like to scapegoat. You know what I mean? That's why I feel like it's kind of happening here. And that's what the piece alludes to that I found most troubling, right? What I found most troubling is a lot of the quotes saying that he just likes to surround people while he does ask everybody their input and what have you. You notice that a lot of the people who aren't there anymore are the people who did push back and say, these are your weaknesses. You need to work on them. He almost likes to be surrounded by people who do agree with him, which isn't always terrible in life, at least in my opinion anyway. Sorry, I just have to straighten myself in my little old chair right here um but yeah i think that that's not always necessarily a problem but when it's the only thing you know i'm saying there's a great line from um the west wing uh which is one of one of my favorite shows and it's basically like you know how do you you know as the president um he likes to surround himself with smart people who disagree with him and that's one of his things and i do think that that's important you know what i mean uh and i think that with the Padres, that's a little troubling. And one of the concerns about Jace Tingler was, is this just an extension of the front office? Is this just the guy that is going to come in? And this is a really mean word, but I don't mean it in the meanest of ways. I'm just, look, when you're doing this YouTube show thing live and you can't just pause and everything, you kind of can't come up with the perfect word sometimes, but like a puppet, uh, Jace Tingler for AJ Preller. Some people thought you should bring in a experienced veteran kind of presence, a veteran manager, you know? I know the Angels did it with Joe Madden. That hasn't worked out perfectly well. I don't know if it's Joe Madden's fault. I think that that team's a mess, but you get my kind of point. We're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, in the next segment about the manager piece of this. Um, so that's not good. And I think that when you look at kind of the Padres overall and all the signs that they've brought in, one of the issues is how they've made all these trades. And while not everyone has been a disaster, it's that when you look at it cumulatively, when you look at the F4, when you look at the totality of the roster, yes, they have some big guys on that team. Yes, not everybody was a disaster. I've said this before. I do have some optimism that Blake Snell, I don't think it was a fluke his August. I actually think that he could be quite good next year. But the piece kind of dives into the fact that you look at teams like the Cardinals and the Braves, they had a lot of injuries too. Now, don't get me wrong. The Padres had a lot in the, a lot in the piece that mentions uh, the team ranks first in days missed and fourth in projected war loss, according to baseball prospectus. But a lot of teams had to deal with that. Go look at the Cardinals, you know, that team that won 17 games in a row. They basically just had Jack Flaherty. That was the worry is that they only had Jack Flaherty and they started falling apart. And then Adam Wainwright at 40 years old tries to starts to kind of, you know, produce for them. Jay Happ. And then you look at the Braves. I talked about this at the deadline. I loved what the Braves did at the deadline. They just took low cost chances, which is something that I think the Padres should be exploring more, which is why I, in the off season, maybe I ended up being right in the off season. My biggest thing was like trade for like, just, just get some depth. Don't trade. You know, you don't have to do anything major. We have to look at 2020 and see what happens in 2021. Maybe you make some moves at the deadline. The farm system's still good. And of course I was still thrilled at the time. I'm not going to act like I knew back then that Blake Snell wasn't going to be great and that you Darvish would completely implode too. But I did want to kind of buy small. I thought guys like Brad Miller, I thought guys like Jacob Rizzi. So that didn't turn out all that great. And there was a couple more that I actually hit on a little bit, but for the most part, um, it looks like the Padres just went a little bit too in. And you look at, you know, um, Joe Musgrove and them. Peace mentions from August 30th to 2020, from August 30th, 2020 to July 30th, 2021, essentially one trade deadline to the other. 
AJ Preller acquired 11 players who were either on the Padres' current roster or injured list. Most of the deals, particularly those for starting pitchers like Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove, look favorable for the Padres at first glance. But the 11 acquisitions have accounted for 9F war as of Thursday, while costing the Padres 31 players, most with six years of control. That's the key right there. That's the key with the control. That's why you like young prospects. I think that sometimes people mistake the having prospects is that you think those guys will be better than major league talent. It's not necessarily that. It's that it gives you depth. It gives you flexibility. It gives you ammo. You know what I mean? Seeing all that type of control that you have, and now it's just kind of gone for these guys that are now aging. And we know that in baseball, guys can fall off a cliff any second. So it's nice to have that young talent and then move it slowly, surely. Again, I do love Preller's ability to just go he is not afraid and that is a good quality to have aj preller at least i believe so but it does need to be brought up that all these trades have just not really worked out tommy fam um daniel hudson i think it is and then mark melanson being the teas the team's most notable free agents otherwise everything's kind of locked in so it's it's not looking great but i do think that that is a good point uh to bring up is that you know People do like complaining about prospects and like, guys, they're just prospects. We don't know what they're going to be. It's a little bit more complicated than that, at least in my opinion, especially when you look at the Padre system right now. They don't have nearly as much ammo as they once had. But before we talk about the manager part of this and kind of going forward, uh, this athletic piece that I really enjoyed and thought every, I think everyone should read it for sure. Padres fans for sure. Uh, let me talk to you guys about a very special thing, guys. We're back in better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season entering week four. As always, though, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts, where the game starts, some would say. Bet online. Go check it out, guys. And next, I want to talk to you guys about a little old app that you you, probably, you might not have heard of. You know what I mean? This is, this is an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. So basically everybody, as far as I'm concerned, get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code BASEBALL. You know, pretty straightforward and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore, guys. Come on now. Get the free get upside app. Really good stuff. Last segment. Last segment. I want to talk about some things. The Padres mentioned a lot and not the Padres directly, but the, the article mentions a lot that we may be on the hunt for a new manager. And some of the candidates include Ron Washington, who the team was rumored to be interested in. He was one of the finalists, apparently, back from Texas Rangers, if you guys aren't familiar. Um, uh, and then um, Buck Showalter and Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy, the latter of those three, probably being the most popular, especially among Padres Twitter. He did manage the team for quite a long time, 1996 to 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and everybody wants him. I mean, he has a winning acumen and all that. But. But the piece does there's there's a couple things I want to mention about all these these uh, potential hires. One book book show Walter actually strikes me. This is just a personal thing. I don't know the guy, but he strikes me a little bit as a guy that kind of 
I don't know. He's just kind of vibing right now. He's on MLB Network doing his little bits and every now and then, but he kind of seems like a guy who might be vibing a little bit. I could be wrong because John Gruden of ESPN fame back in Monday Night Football, he was kind of just vibing, having a good time, making his money and all that on TV. Uh, and then he went and coached the Raiders. And honestly, he's a pretty decent coach to 3-0 and right now. You know what I mean? They, he, he's definitely not as big of a disaster as everybody thought. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. Come on, guys. Um, that's just a random thing for another podcast when we talk about the the little bit of the over hate for Gruden when he got brought into the Raiders and a lot of it with the Cleo Mack thing, but as a coach, he's fine. Anyway, um, then Ron Washington, I want to address Ron Washington. Ron Washington has had a, a couple scandals um, laced at him. In fact, um, just, I was just checking this kind of the other day and they're, they're not the most uh, flattering um, things in the world. I lost my screenshot on my damn phone for some reason. Did I just, you know, just delete it by a chance on September 5th, 2014, Washington announced his resignation as manager of the Rangers. I'm reading from Wikipedia, by the way, um, citing personal reasons. And then on September 11th, 2014, it was announced by several media outlets that Ron Washington's resignation may be related to allegations of sexual assault against a reporter on September 18th, 2014, Washington announced that he had been having an extramarital affair and that he had resigned to reconcile with his family. Washington's managerial record with the Rangers was 664, 611, 521 winning percentage, including four consecutive 91 seasons, 2010 to 2013 and two pennants. However, his 2014 squad was only 53 and 87. That was kind of the year when we kind of knew that he was gone. So longtime manager of the Rangers. So this is my thing. Are we sure that, bringing in someone like that is necessarily a positive kind of thing to be doing with those kind of accusations and that whatnot. I don't know if I want that. And I, I think that it is my, my job to talk about these things. I mean, we already know, you know, and like, again, I'm not making giant sweeping characteristic claims about everybody. These situations are very comp uh, complicated, but I do want to bring that up that it should be taken into account in a big factor. Cause too oftentimes it isn't go look up Jared Porter, go look up the Mickey Calloway situation Go look up the Washington football team from last year when all those women came out against not just Dan Snyder, but the whole organization. This is a problem. And I just want I just think every single time that someone has history like this, go look it up. Go look at the Dallas Mavericks, what they did with Jason Kidd, go, a, a, an organization that, unlike the Padres, in fairness, doesn't ha hasn't had like that toxic workplace in terms of sexual assault and harassment like the Mavericks did a few years ago in terms of like that whole story that dropped. And then they hire Jason Kidd who has his own bad pass. And then Neil Oshley over in Portland hiring Chauncey Billups, who has a very dis disturbing case against him granted in the late nineties, I think 1999, but it doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned, it still should be brought up. Meanwhile, they're saying, Oh yeah, Becky Hammond was close. Becky Hammond was close. It's like the most patronizing comment. But anyway, this is an NBA podcast guys. I just think that that should be brought up about Ron Washington. Next one, Buck Showalter already talked about. And then the last one is Bruce Bochy, which the piece mentions an anonymous source says there's no way with Bruce Bochy. All right. There's no effing way Bruce Bochy goes in and deals with all that, said one former big league manager. There's no way in reference to Padres general manager AJ Peller having a more hands on approach and micromanaging everything. It's not a good sign. So honestly, I would love Buck Showalter as a manager of the Padres, but I do think the piece gets at one thing which is important, which is bringing in a veteran presence. The problem is how many things seem to be just guys that are extensions of AJ Preller. You know what I'm saying? That's that's not that's not a great way to run an organization. But then again, like I said, what's so interesting about the piece is that there's a lot of people who defend Preller and say, well, he's the hardest working guy out there. He's he does talk to people, which is good, unlike Jeff Bradridge with that with that uh Rockies piece 
um, they mentioned that he was just kind of quiet, kept to himself, and then is playing fantasy baseball basically with real people. But it should be mentioned as well that Preller does that a little bit too. I mean, the Franmil Reyes trade, which this piece does talk about a lot, when he was traded, um, they said like he was a great clubhouse guy. And I love the guy. I mean, go look up that that video that he had that went viral a little bit ago, a while ago with the cancer patient. Um, it was just so heartwarming and whatnot. And he's killing it over in Cleveland. The piece also brings up Cal Quantrill. Now, the Franmil Reyes trade, I have mentioned that in fairness, Fran Reyes was not a good defender at all. I like the guy. Guys, look at my name, Javier Reyes. Of course, I'm going to like Fran Reyes. Of course, of course. I love the Franimal, but can't play defense. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of a liability there. And you're, if you're probably, you're like, maybe we can get some prospects back here. I'm still kind of trying to come back from the 2015 debacle with Justin Upton and Craig Kimbrough and all those guys that set them back a little bit. Still trying to, you know, make sure we rebound from that. He's a bad defender. So is Will Myers. So maybe we don't want to have two bad defenders. Maybe we can get something back for Fran Marez because clearly some teams in the American League would want that guy because they could just stick him at DH because the National League, yet again, I say this every podcast when we bring this up, is stupid. Bring in the damn DH. It literally makes the trade deadline more interesting, by the way. Um, so that's the thing that should be brought up. But the piece does mention that a lot. The piece also mentions this, you know, without that lack of maybe veteran leadership, without lack of some, like a more seasoned manager, like a Bruce Bosey, like, like a Ron Washington, like a, a Joe Madden, whoever the heck you want to bring up, you know, you might come into some issues with clubhouse chemistry and whatnot. And the piece mentions that according to a lot of sources within the organization and, and executives and what have you anonymously, of course, saying that. I, and and I've, how many times have I told you guys this, by the way, that there's been a lot of other behind the scenes kind of clubhouse blowups, right? The piece does mention, unfortunately, that apparently players gravitate towards Eric Hosmer. That's a good example of when I think clubhouse chemistry needs to be thrown out the window a little bit. If he's producing as poorly as he is, you got to look at dealing him. I'm sorry. The players will get used to it, especially if you pr- you're more than likely to get any first baseman in the league to be more worth uh, than what Eric Hosmer puts out for his contract. That's basically what I'm saying. But. The piece mentions that a disturbing amount, like an unusual amount of clubhouse kind of fiascos and whatnot. Now, I didn't think that there was necessarily an unusual amount. Like I said, I ain't Dennis Lynn. I'm not Kevin Acey. I'm not, you know, one of these guys that's boots on the ground kind of talking to all these guys all the time. It doesn't surprise me that there's been a lot. This kind of confirms it. Uh, The team has been in a tailspin. I think they're 11 and 33 over their last like 44 games. They're absolutely terrible. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Real, real bad. So it doesn't surprise me, but it is a little concerning that they say there's been an unusual amount, like a little bit more than usual. Granted, this is an unusual second half collapse. Uh, it does raise some concern where it's like maybe you need more of a clubhouse presence. Maybe you needed to keep Fran Mil Reyes. Again, I actually didn't think that trade was that bad. You get Taylor Trammell back, who is a consensus top 100 prospect, one of the Reds' top prospects, and you end up trading him for somebody else. Granted, granted, I will say this. It's true that, you know, maybe you should have gotten something better, but in theory, the trade in terms of getting that extra ammo that they end up using to spend elsewhere is at least good in theory. I don't think it was a bad trade. I just think that it shows you that they're saying Preller, apparently nobody knew about this trade, but Logan Allen, by the way, is part of this too. No one knew about it. No one was alerted about it. That's a bad sign, man. And you know what else? I've been comparing it to the Rockies piece all day. Jeff Bridrich, um, if nobody's familiar, when they trade Troy Tulowitzki to the Blue Jays back in 2015 or 2014, uh, one of those two years, um, one of the things that they they mentioned, Troy Tulowitzki was totally taken aback that no one had told him that he was going to be traded. And granted, I know that like you could argue as a player that's on a bad team, you should always be aware that if you're on a really bad team that needs to retool, 
and you're good, you're probably on the trading block. But still, the fact that he's like the, the star of your team, the face of your organization for so long, you don't even tell him that's a bad sign. So that's what concerned me about this Framil Reyes part was the idea that no one really knew about it. Framil Reyes was shocked. Everybody was shocked. And the clubhouse felt that. And the clubhouse players and some anonymous sources saying again that he seems to not really care about all that. You know what I mean? Crabs in a barrel, all this stuff. So that's not a good sign. I think overall the piece was not nearly as damning as the Rockies one from back uh, before the season began about the Rockies. But it will say that the other thing the piece mentions is you got Eric Hosmer to worry about. It's probably going to cost a top-level prospect. They said that he couldn't really do anything at the deadline. He tried, and that, like, it's just it costs too much. You don't have any ammo anymore. I've made this analogy before. When you go trick-or-treating, you have that big bag of candy. But admittedly, there's only like a, there's like three or four things in there that you really, really want. AJ Preller and the Padres right now are kind of like if all you had left was the three or four things you really want, but none of that extra fluff, none of the flexibility. This is why dealing all of your prospects can be a mistake. You know what I mean? This is why being a a wheeling and dealing king that I still think AJ Preller is and is capable of still being can be a problem sometimes. And I think that we have to acknowledge that, you know, the piece also mentions maybe the solution to suspend more. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, But bottom line is that, I mean, I do know a little bit in my, in, in theory, everyone, some people message me on Twitter saying, what about Freddie Freeman? Tatis needs to talk to his kid and get uh, uh, Freddie Freeman in from Ryan Brunette on Twitter. Uh, hopefully I'm saying your name right. He said Tatis needs to spend the off season with Freddie Freeman's kid and convince him and his dad to come to San Diego and Tingler needs to go. And remember we got Clevenger back and maybe Lamette will be healthier and better. I'll be hyped for the start of 2022. So that tweet, I somewhat agree with, I would say, I don't know, though, if spending that much on a Freddie Freeman might be the way to go. And I think that's a Nelson Lamette. I'm going to stand by this. I think that he's damaged goods. I'm really concerned about his development. And Mike Clevenger, with the way that the organization is built, do we have any confidence that they're going to be able to have Mike Clevenger back and really super duper healthy? I don't know, man. I don't know. And this piece was illuminating. We're going to talk about it more and talk about more potential things in the in the future because believe me guys i know that last year's off season was exciting this one might be more exciting in a much more multi-layered way with people who get hired with people who get demoted with people who get fired with trade aways this might be a rebuild a rebuilding type off season and i want to prepare all padres fans and saying that's not necessarily the worst thing last thing i want to mention in terms of rebuild the piece does mention what about if if they tried shopping may machado who'll be 30 next spring uh, hmm. Yeah, let's probably not do that. I know you could get a, a whole gambit of prospects. Look, in theory, it wouldn't be the worst idea I've ever heard. He's very, very good, though. And let I mean, shocker. Yeah, Manny Machado is very good, guys. And it would really hurt that team, especially because he seems like a clubhouse leader. I think that could be a big mistake. You would be going all young, especially. And if you do that, you might as well just ship off everybody at that point. Keep every only Tatis, apparently. Um, They're mentioning maybe potential uh, for an extension for Joe Musgrove. They were talking about Cronenworth and Trent Grisham, but they're too valuable to potentially trade, especially Cronenworth, especially in that infield, which is really weird right now. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But pr- brace yourselves, guys. He's made it out of a, a similarly, although maybe not as with the same expectations, um, a situation like this in 2015. He was able to maneuver out of it after 2015 and build the team we have now. So if there is a GM in the league that can make a bounce back from such a disaster, I still have faith in AJ Preller. And clearly, while there were some people very critical of AJ Preller in this piece, there were also some people were saying, no, it's not that bad. The guy's smart. He works hard. And he's just, he's, he works hard. And I like that. I like people who work hard and are on the floor and they're ready to go. Let's get ready to go this offseason, guys.
But with that all being said, guys, before we wrap this episode up, let me just talk to you about, you know, betting on who the Padres are going to sign and Freddie Freeman, betting on any playoff game, especially a wild card game. It doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast, guys. Woo! That was a good one. I enjoyed talking about all that. I hope you guys did uh, enjoyed it too. Uh, with that all being said, last thing before I, I keep almost uh, finishing up the podcast, but one more thing, guys. Next week, uh, hopefully I'll have a new camera, a new camera to show on the YouTube so you can see me in a little bit better quality because I know the quality isn't the best right now. I'm just using my webcam on my laptop uh, that, we, that came with it. Um, so look forward to that. Also look forward to some more stuff for me writing-wise. I wrote about my favorite celebrations of the year over at Just Baseball. You can check that out. Um, really, really fun piece to write about. Going to be talking about the 10 most miserable moments of the Padres season. Also have some crossovers already prepared. Next week, Ryland Styles of Lockdown Royals is probably going to be on the show. And then for sure on the show is Jeff Carr of Lockdown Reds to discuss both of our teams and ability to kind of close the season strong. And seemingly just they 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 were repulsed by the idea of making the playoffs. So going to be talking with Jeff Carr, some crossovers and that top 10, like kind of worst most tragic moments of the season last year we did the top 10 best moments of the 2020 Padres I think I actually did the top 20 moments of the Padres last year for 2020 but uh this one we'll be doing the most tragic moments because let's be honest this season it was a tragedy it was a tragedy but most, some might say it's even a little bit of a comedy how tragic it's been but anyway guys with that all being said that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast this chunky boy edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast whoo Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Subscribe to the Lockdown Padres YouTube channel as well. It will be in the description for all my audio listeners. Check that out. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care. Yeah. Woo!